You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. Today we'll be discussing cementation strategies for lithium disilicate restorations. Our guest is Dr. Michael Detola, a lecturer and columnist with an expertise in restorative dentistry techniques. He is the former director of clinical research and education at Glidewell Labs and currently is the VP of Clinical Affairs at Aegis Communications. Dr. Detola, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Yeah, Phil, thanks for having me back again. I had, I had a great time the first time we did this. Yeah, and your podcast has gotten a tremendous amount of engagement, so we appreciate that. Today we're talking about a very important topic, and that is the strategies for cementing lithium disilicate restorations. And I know you have an upcoming one with us on zirconia oxide restoration. So let's start with this one. How do you decide between cementing or bonding a lithium disilicate restoration? Oh, that's a great uh, a question, Phil, and that's something I think every every dentist needs to stop and think about. And just to make sure that the dentists who are listening uh, know exactly what we're talking about. So lithium disilicate, the the primary brand is IPS Emax, and it seems like if I'm in a room full of dentists and I say who's done an Emax crown, pretty much every hand goes up. So I think dentists are familiar with what we're talking about here. And um, with these new high strength all ceramic restorations, you do have to really think about it and make a decision whether or not you're going to cement it or or bond it into place. Now, obviously, there's going to be times where the prep is very short. You might have, you know, maybe it's only a millimeter or a millimeter and a half tall or over tapered walls, like 30 degrees of taper, or maybe both where you're going to be forced uh, to bond it into place. You don't have a choice. But most of the preps we see uh, fall somewhere in that gray zone in the middle where we, we certainly could bond it into place, but we could also cement it uh, into place. But when it comes to lithium disilicate Emax, which has a, a flexural strength of uh, 400 megapascals, um, if we're doing these on molars especially, I'm always going to bond them in place because it's going to increase the fracture toughness of the Emax crown. So, an, an Emax crown is that is got a flexural strength of 400 megapascals. That doesn't change. But if you bond it adhesively into place on the tooth using something like VarioLink Aesthetic from Ivaclar, which is uh, a great choice to adhesively bond Emax crowns into place, by bonding it into place, you increase the fracture toughness. In other words, you increase the amount of force that it takes to uh, catastrophically break the crown in the mouth once there's been a flaw or a crack introduced into it. And so this ability to um, to strengthen the overall unit of the crown on the tooth by adhesively bonding it is a big deal. Now on anterior teeth, where we don't have the bite forces that we do in the posterior, they're only like one third as strong as they are in the posterior, you could go ahead and just cement Emacs um, if you wanted to, because it's plenty strong at 400 megapascals to just conventionally um, cement it uh, into place. But even on anterior teeth, I prefer to bond it into place with the VarioLink um, aesthetic because, you know, it's a, it's a simple and straightforward uh, cement to use. And uh, I feel better about increasing the, the fracture toughness um, of the lithium disilicate crowns where I can because we want our crowns to last uh, for a long time. So even though the prep, I might look at a prep and it might be three or four millimeters tall and the, the walls only have about 10 degrees of taper where I could certainly conventionally cement it. I find myself using uh, adhesive bonding with something like VarioLink Aesthetic uh, just to kind of give myself that uh, 
that extra degree of caution uh, against something. If there's a crack or something happens to the tooth or maybe I overheated it while I was adjusting it in the mouth, I want to increase that fracture toughness to uh, increase the longevity of that crown. Yeah, that makes total sense. So obviously we can't affect the, the actual physical properties of the material by using this adhesive, but the net effect you're saying increases the fracture toughness by adding the adhesive component into the equation. Is that right? Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. It's kind of like a, a ceramic floor tile. Like if you if you were holding a ceramic floor tile uh, in your hand, you could you could break it over your knee or break it certainly like on a table by hitting it if you did that hard enough. But once you adhesively bond it to the to the floor to the subflooring, like in your kitchen, now you can have a herd of elephants walk across and it won't break. So conceptually, it's kind of like that. As far as decontamination of the lithium disilicate surface, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, when when trying them in the mouth? Well, it's funny because, you know, decontamination never was a thing until about 2009. And before that, you know, my dad, who was a dentist for 40 years, and certainly the first uh, 20 years of my career, we'd try a PFM in the mouth, you know, verify that it fit, take it out, rinse the inside out with a little air and water, slap the cement in, and we were good to go. And um, And that was that, and that's what we got used to doing. And that's hardly decontamination, but... Once lithium disilicate came out in 2007, and more importantly, when solid zirconia was introduced uh, to the U.S. market in 2009, all of a sudden we realized that we had to, uh, we had to, we should be paying attention to the decontamination of the inside of these crowns. And so, with lithium disilicate, for example, if you try a crown in the mouth, uh, an Emax crown in the mouth, and it comes in contact with saliva, it's become contaminated. And I just think, Phil, that you have to assume that any time you put a crown on a prep, you just got to assume you've you've somehow contaminated with some saliva. I mean, you might try to keep it dry or it's it's just safer, I think, to assume that it has, in fact, become contaminated. And so if all you do is rinse it out with uh, the Emacs crown, you just rinse it out with water after trying it in, you'll lose half of the bond strength, you know, that you had if you had cemented it in without any salivary contamination. And so that's a that's a big drop. I'm not saying that all those crowns are going to fall out, but you've lost half your bond strength for no reason. I mean, simply because you didn't decontaminate it. And so you can use a product like Ivoclar's um, IvoClean, which is a, a cleaning solution. And by putting a couple of drops of that inside the crown and leaving it in there for 20 seconds and then uh, rinsing it out, you you go back to your original uncontaminated bond strength as though it, it never happened. And if you if you didn't happen to have any IvoClean with you in a jam and you were cementing some lithium disilicate crowns, you can also clean or decontaminate the inside of those crowns with just standard phosphoric acid like we would use to etch enamel. You won't get all the bond strength back like you would with the IvoClean, but you know phosphoric acid will work on the inside of an Emacs crown. And that kind of makes sense because that's what we've been taught to do with all ceramic restorations. You know, starting back with Empress, we were taught that, you know, once you get the, you try it in the mouth and clean out the trying cement that you could use um, phosphoric acid to clean the inside out. At least in my mind, I always thought the phosphoric acid was getting rid of the residue of the trying cement. I didn't really understand what we were doing, but clearly what we're doing is decontaminating the saliva from the inside of the crown. So regular phosphoric acid works well on the inside of an Emax crown in a jam, but the IvoClean works 
uh, even better. And again, you'll just about a little more than double the bond strength of the resin cement to the inside of the Emax crown by decontaminating it. And considering that in the patient's eyes, you know, obviously a crown falling off isn't the failure that it is to us, a catastrophic one, because you don't have to make a new crown. You can just re-cement it. But it's super inconvenient to the patient, and they never are impressed when a crown falls off because it always kind of seems like it ends up being our fault, even though we want to blame the lab. So it's definitely worth decontaminating these crowns and getting the strongest bond strength we can between the resin cement and the lithium disilicate restoration. Yeah, and as far as the IvoClean goes, what's the, the clinical process for cleaning the surface? Basically, just shake the bottle up to see that there's no little purple streaks there, and then you just put a couple drops with a micro brush inside the crown and then wait 20 seconds and then wash it out with air and water and, and then dry it off, uh, which gets you ready to put your primer on the inside of it. So pretty simple, pretty straightforward. You never want to use it in the mouth though. It's a very uh, basic solution, but using it outside of the mouth um, to decontaminate the crown, it works very well. Okay, great. And speaking of primer, is there any specific primer you like to use with lithium disilicate restorations? Well, lithium disilicate restorations, one, one of the reasons they are as aesthetic and as translucent as they are is because they still have a, a glassy matrix. So you have this, this glass matrix that has lithium disilicate crystals um, embedded uh, inside of that. And, um, and because of that, we're going to use a traditional um, ceramic silane as our as our bonding agent and that's how we're going to get a, a chemical connection between the lithium disilicate restoration and the resin cement is with this um with this ceramic silane so um ivoclar makes a great one called monobond plus and it, the great thing about it is they've they've combined uh, not only a ceramic silane but a zirconia primer into the same bottle and zirconia primers also work very well on metals. And so with Monobond Plus, you've got this one primer for all materials. And I tell you what, Phil, um, I know that dental assistants are confused about this whole area because I, I had delivered a few restorations up to Gordon Christensen um, and he was cementing some restorations we had made for him at, at Glidewell. And two of them were Emacs and two of them were solid zirconia. And he was doing it on the same patient on different sides of the mouth. And I saw Gordon's two chairside assistants pull out a cheat sheet to remind them what to do on the differences between lithium disilicate and zirconia oxide. And that's the day that I realized, you know, that if Gordon's two very intelligent dental assistants are confused, that there's no doubt the rest of America is Absolutely. confused as Absolutely. well. And so yeah. The great thing about the Monobond Plus is it literally works on everything from metal to glass ceramics like Emacs or Empress to solid zirconia materials um, like Emacs Prime to to whatever you want it to work to. So with Monobond Plus, you, you can tell dental assistants, here's the one primer you have that works uh, on everything, um, regardless of what it's made of. So it, it makes sure that you don't have the mistakes or the confusion you used to have when you had a separate uh, ceramic silane and then a separate zirconia primer. It just gets rid of um, that confusion and you know you're never going to use the wrong material. So I, I just, you know, it only makes sense to, you know, make a recommendation to, to everybody to use the Monobond Plus because you can't go wrong with it. Yeah. So do you suggest, based on what you're talking about uh, today, a closed system for doctors to consider? And when I say a closed system, I mean using materials manufactured by the same manufacturer, the same company, so that 
these types of errors are kind of minimized and all the R&D that goes into the different steps, uh, preparing the surface to be clean after the try-in, the bonding, the cementation, and like you said, the primer, all these different materials work very well together under the same roof. But I know that some doctors are using different materials. What's your thought on that? Yeah, I think by and large, um, keeping those things together like that, unless there's really something you dislike about something, um, I think it's a good idea. And certainly, I'm sure there's a lot of dentists who say, well, I'm having good success using uh, 3M's bonding agent, and then I use a Kerr composite on top of it. And uh, I don't doubt that they'll still um, work together, but there there are enough things when it comes to, you know, products like this, that, that keeping them together, at least, you know, you'll never have to question, you know, did those four crowns come off because I was mixing and matching from column A and column B. You'll never have to kind of run through that if you ever do run into any uh, difficulties. And and it just so happens that the cements that um, that Ivoclar has in this category and then a product like an IvoClean and a Monobond Plus, they kind of naturally work hand in hand. And like I said, IvoClean was kind of all by itself when it popped up and so was Monobond Plus. So there wasn't really a lot of mixing and matching. So I do think there's a lot of dentists who use specifically those three products from Ivoclar together just because they were the first ones in those spaces in the dental market. Are there times when you prefer a dual cure cement to a light cure only cement? Yeah, definitely. And, um, and, and lithium disilicate is is one of those times. I was surprised when I saw some research come out of um, CR, out of Gordon's organization, and um, in the CR newsletter where he was looking at trying to light cure through lithium disilicate restorations. And again, um, it's got a glassy matrix. That's one of the reasons why you can etch Emacs crowns with hydrofluoric acid and have it work because it's etching that glass matrix. It's one of the reasons why Emacs is as translucent or more translucent than most zirconias uh, because of that glass. And so I just naturally assumed that it would be pretty easy to cure through an Emacs crown versus, say, a solid zirconia crown. And what Gordon's research showed is that, yes, you can cure more, but you're still losing, you know, about 75 percent of you're curing like when your Emacs, your lithium disilicate is a, a millimeter thick. And if it gets thicker than that on the occlusal surface, you're losing even more of your curing lights power as it goes in. So when I saw this, I was I was shocked. I just assumed I mean, I knew that Emacs was highly filled with lithium disilicate crystals, but I, I just expected more translucency like we maybe saw with Empress back in the day. So that's when all of a sudden I was like, okay, this is a few years back. And it was like, I'm just using dual cure cements now. Um, and so very only aesthetic, the cement I mentioned before, comes in a light cure version, which I use for veneers, and then a dual cure version, which I use for all crowns. Because know now that it's going to be a challenge um, to get the light through and make sure that it's going to cure. And there, there's a lot of cements out there that call themselves dual cure, but I would encourage dentists to just uh, verify that. Some of them are, are, are dual cure if, you know, a good portion of light gets to them and then it will kind of trigger that mechanism. But a good way to check it, Phil, is just to take whatever dual cure resin cement you're using and mix a little on a pad or if it's got its own mixing tip, squirt some out onto a pad. Put it in a dark drawer, go to lunch and come back, you know, an hour later, however long lunch takes and then take an explore and check and see how um, set it is. And I can tell you from personal experience, I found a couple that weren't completely set. Um, Burial Ink Aesthetic does 
the dual cure version does completely set in a dark drawer. So I feel much better using it in a restoration where I know that, you know, maybe if I didn't do a buildup on a prep, so I had a super deep area, maybe on the mesial or something like that, where the lithium basilicate is maybe two millimeters thick, um, where the light's not going to go. I want to be sure that I've got something that's truly a dual cure because we do know that uncured resin in contact with dentin will most definitely uh, produce symptoms of post-operative sensitivity. So anytime I'm doing um, a lithium disilicate crown, I am using a dual cure cement. I'm using Variolink Aesthetic, and I'm still curing it because it helps me clean up the margins a little bit quicker. And then I'll place a glycerin gel around the margins so I don't have that air inhibited layer. So I I put the um, glycerin gel around the margins and cure it again with my curing light. And then we cure it from all sides. And, but I still know I might not be able to get everywhere I want to go with that light. And so having a reliable dual cure cement is a great idea, not only to increase the bond strength, but to help ensure we don't have post-operative sensitivity. Very helpful, Dr. Detola, as usual. Uh, Very enlightening. I think we learned a lot about cementation strategies today and I appreciate your time. We do uh, have you scheduled to do another podcast shortly on zirconia oxide restorations, also on cementation strategies. So we look forward to that one. Thanks so much. Great. I'll see you then, Phil. Thank you. 